0: minimum um, and it's a call to repentance, a need for repentance. Repentance is the pathway uh, that we all must travel and it's the only way to build a secure soil or foundation uh, for spiritual growth. Uh, Many will know the Greek word for repentance, metanoia, which literally means a change of mind. Um, It's a change from following our ways and our directions to following God's ways and his direction. It's a call to turn from sin and to turn to Christ. Literally, I think, in in New Testament times, folks, we point in one way uh, in their baptism and turn and point the other way to follow God's way. I think we can all be a little bit myopic, blind to our sin, me included, Some of you here this morning might think, uh, basically, you do good stuff, and basically, you're a good person. We're good people, and you might be, but um, sometimes that can take us on a journey where we think that we have no need for the Lord Jesus Christ. Last autumn, we did a series on the book of Romans, and in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we were reminded that... All, all human beings have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's like without exception, everyone here. Those of us who've been schooled in Christian basics know that we can never be good enough to earn God's love. In and of ourselves, try as hard as we want to, we can never be good enough to reach the perfect standard um, to earn God's grace and favour. It's a gift that comes from God as we put our faith and trust in him. When we properly consider God's holiness alongside ours, there's no comparison. We're poles apart. With repentance... We can draw close to God as he draws close to us with a full assurance of faith and we take on his holiness. A few of us at uh, Holy Trinity Claygate are using uh, a Bible app at the moment. Sorry if I'm speaking a foreign language to some of you, but it's a little thing on your phone where you can go through the Bible in the year. And uh, this week, uh, on the 20th, on Wednesday, was Luke 3. Verses 1 to 22. Verse 3, John the Baptist is uh, preparing the way for Jesus, preaching a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In verse 8, he's imploring them to um, do repentance um, in a way that produces, verse 9, good fruit. Fruit in keeping with repentance. When there's no repentance... And no fruit, there's this image of uh, someone wielding an axe. Luckily, it's only to a tree. John points to Jesus, Luke 3 16, um, and he says, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals we're not worthy to untie. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The good fruit of the Spirit that comes to us as a result of repentance has lots of expressions. I'd love to have read the whole section from Galatians 5, and I had to cut it back, but I'm going to give you some of it. Uh, Galatians 5.16 says, um, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. If we are playing bingo, would any be standing up and saying, I've got a house at this moment? Because if you did, it would be a little bit awkward. But we are going to be doing repentance a little bit later on. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, I don't catch anyone in the eye. You've got too many on your card over on the left, I don't know, uh, will inherit The kingdom (laughs) checking your left and right but verse 22 moving swiftly on but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace you know these don't you the forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. The prerequisite to bearing the fruit of the Spirit is repentance and faith, a relationship with God firmly rooted in Christ. Our central calling, as we know as a church, we've said this quite a lot, is to love God with all our hearts, etc., etc., and love our neighbours and ourselves, and work to build God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Back to the Bible in the Year app, I commend it to you. Luke three, verse eleven. Nikki Gumble reflects on this in John's teaching: good fruit includes both social justice and personal morality, like sharing clothes and food, and also being righteous about how we handle money and power. We're going to focus now on the passage for today, Luke 13, our set reading. And Jesus begins by using two powerful examples that... Explode the popular myth that bad stuff only happens to bad people. The first example, Luke thirteen one to three, page one o four six, is a reference to the Jewish. It's referenced also by the Jewish um, historian Josephus. Holly brought this to one of our staff meetings. Pilate was a ruthless ruler who had no respect for the way of life or worship of the Jews. Some of the Jews had protested that Pilate was uh, using the temple treasury money to do some building projects, maybe building a water viaduct, etc. And it seems that some of them may have protested about God's money being used in that way. Um, When they come up to Jerusalem, we think probably at Passover, Pilate decides to slaughter quite a few of them. So can you imagine the sacrifice of worship that the Jews brought also mixed with their own blood? Jesus, referring to the incident, says, "Do you think that these Gal-, verse two, these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, because they suffered in this way?" I tell you, no. but unless you repent." You too will all perish. Next example, verses 4 and 5, also in Jerusalem, refers to a building collapse by the pool of Siloam. In the news today, there's no shortage of images of natural disasters. We already prayed. About the cyclone uh, in Africa. There's floods, there's landslides, there's earthquakes, there's building collapses that we hear of happening around the world. Innocent people get caught up in this. In response to the cyclone, I think it's proposed maybe that our Easter offering goes towards Tier Fund, uh, who work with other disaster emergency relief organisations to bring food and shelter and pots and pans and uh, maybe um, other things as well, clean water and a bit of protection seeds to plant for the next season. We also hear and see images about human atrocities, of war, of shootings, and more recently, sadly, too close to home, stabbings on our streets. Innocent people are often the victims. We need both compassion and long term solutions, never judgment. Jesus makes clear in Luke 13, verse 4, regarding the 18 who died in the Tower of Siloam that fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Jesus knew that some of his hearers were rather self-righteous, we're linking the disaster with the impoverished spiritual state of the victims, believing that they must have deserved it. Jesus says categorically, no. Matthew five forty five sheds some light on Jesus' attitude. God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. These sorts of things are fairly indiscriminate. Life is short and sadly shorter for some than others. 2 Peter chapter 3, 9 teaches us that God is patient not wanting anyone to perish and has delayed Jesus' return, which will come with judgment and the gathering in of those he knows. He delays the return to earth so that more people will have the opportunity to come to a place of repentance and faith. Jesus is telling all his non-believing hearers, then and now, not to take their time on earth for granted, We don't know the day or the hour when we're going to be taken. And with some urgency, they needed to sort their lives out. Verse 5 is a sobering challenge. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Repentance provides the right conditions for spiritual growth. Through repentance we find faith and become children of God and are secure in God's family forever. That said, fruitfulness in our faith demands an ongoing spiritual discipline or disciplines, an ongoing refilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you some respite now. What is this? And where is this? There are some clues in the picture. It's taken from a strange angle. There was a clue in the reading of what this might be. If I said that this was on the Holy Trinity Church site, would you know where it was? What white buildings have we got? And it's a fig tree. I didn't know that we had a fig tree. Here, I've got a fig tree. That is a fig tree. It's not the colored one. It's the one on the left that's... um, We'll come back to that in a second. It's just on the corner of the ministry center. And it's there for good reason. Did anyone know that we had a fig tree at Holy Trinity Claygate? Well, there you go. Apparently, when this rebuilding was done... um, Brian Matthew was invited by Julian to plant quite a few biblical plants around here. So they tell a story. I think that's quite exciting. Fig trees are supposed to produce figs. Um, a member of the congregations kindly produced, got some for me today. Um, if you have a fig tree or any other tree that's a fruit tree and it's not producing fruit, that's not what it's supposed to do. And the parable tells us quite clearly, and I'm happy to come round with my chainsaw that I'll borrow from Dave. Dave wouldn't trust me to use it, so he might have to... Dave will come round with his chainsaw and chop down every fruit tree in this parish that is not bearing fruit. Are you all right with that? That's interesting. We like the notion of Christianity and not repentance. We like the notion of having fruit trees that bear no fruit. I don't understand. You explain that to me. Fig trees are supposed to go on producing figs year on year. It's no good if they are a one-fig wonder What's the significance in the Bible about figs, the metaphor of figs and fig trees? Well, I understand that it's about peace and prosperity. The large leaves, along with vine leaves, are supposed to give shade, protection and shelter. Figs have been part of the staple diet in the Mediterranean climes for um, Well, since time began, I imagine, ancient times. Two or three-year-old fig shoots will become young trees and have large palmate. I don't know what that word is, leaves, big palm leaves. And I'm told that they can grow up to three to six meters, up to 20 feet high. Pollination, some of you will know what this is, is Call of figs is caprification. I think caprification. No, capfigation. I can't say this word. But one of the things is a little bit scary. Do you know how they are pollinated? Someone shout it out. How are they pollinated? What do you need? It's not a bee. I thought this one of God's creatures had no useful purpose at all and should have been struck off. When it buzzed, wasps, did you know that? No, they need wasps. I think they've created other sort of fig trees that don't need wasps to, because you can understand, you don't want to lure wasps around. But that's what they need. And I think they dig into the flower, which you can't see, which is a hidden flower, and then they go from the female to the male. In short, in certain parts of the world, no wasps, no figs, no moisture, no life. When some fig trees, um, they start, with some fig trees, they start, um, the fruit starts appearing in, in February. And um, when the fruit's ripe, the leaves have sort of developed at the same time. And apparently there's two harvests a year in some of them, the healthy ones, but not the one in this Bible passage today because they needed Dave's chainsaw. Verse 6, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but it didn't find any. Fig trees can easily be barren then as now. If there are no figs, the tree has failed in its purpose. For 7, for three years now, I've been coming back for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. This unfruitful tree is creating, it's quite a stark example, it's creating dead space. And that's quite an awkward notion for us to get an idea if you think of human beings in terms of our Christian witness filling dead space. And in this instance, it needed to be cut down. And it says in the Bible, why should it use up the soil? And I'm just wondering what we should apply this principle to in our own lives or with time consuming, unfruitful pursuits in church as well. So it's really easy to say that and really hard to do because everything we do is obviously very worthy. You try having the conversations. It's no good talking about harvests in the past. Although they're worth celebrating, year on year, the fig tree, maybe the activities of the church, needs to continue to produce fruit. Verse 8, Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, we'll get the chainsaw out. Cut it down. We know some of the obvious ways that we're called to fertilize the spiritual life. And you hear this all the time. But it's still worth saying. Prayer and Bible study, worship, care, practical Christ-like service, forming Christian community that builds a unity of spirit and a bond of peace. But I puzzled uh, and speculate, and this is speculation, what it might mean in this passage to dig around the fig tree. I've been talking to Brian Matthew, who worships at our um, Eight o'clock service, probably other services as well. But he's the one that pointed out that we had a fig tree and he told me about figs. And this is some of his um, expert knowledge. He worked at Kew Gardens, so he knows what he's talking about in a way that vicars don't always. But um, he was saying obvious things. Obviously, fig trees need moisture. In in Bible lands, the ground was often rocky and dry. Uh, interestingly in this parable where the fig tree is isn't probably rocky and dry it's in a vineyard so i reckon it probably should have done better there than other places apparently if you leave some fig trees to their own devices the roots sort of go all over the place so you wouldn't want to park one next to the ministry center in case it brought the ministry center down but we it's a sunny place so that's okay and we'll take the risk but um but If the roots go in all sorts of different places, um, sometimes they create growth and more leaves, but not necessarily lots of fruit. So if you dig around it and you trim some of the the roots from going here, there, and everywhere, they get a little bit more concentrated in their growth, the roots. And in hot countries, they dig down and down and down through the rocks until they find moisture. And that's when they produce more Fruit. God is looking for fruitfulness, not more leaves. That's our fig tree. I had to get up really, really, really close. Ignore the color in the background, that's just for dramatic effect. But in the foreground, you'll see little buds of life and leaves growing. And I pray that this is true for us as a church as well. Uh, You need to pray that there's not a frost, otherwise it gets killed between now and the spring. But buds of new life. I wonder what these might be. Well, I was thinking off the top of my head, quite a few new things that have happened recently. There's pop-up connections, there's a bereavement cafe, there's been um, bereavement training, there's been worship central, um, the youth teams are doing things like um, they, they folks sort of pop in on a Thursday to the well. Lots and lots of other things in different areas of church life are happening, buds of New life, sanctuary for those that want to do contemplative prayer occasionally. Fruitfulness for us at Holy Trinity Claygate will be measured in part by whether we're faithful to God's purpose for us or not. We've discerned it to be encountering, celebrating, sharing God's transforming love. Fruitfulness for us at Holy Trinity Claygate will also be measured whether we embody our values effectively or not. Are we helping each other to be better connected with God in prayer, worship, and word? Are we growing as a loving and generous community, offering God's hospitality, friendship, and prayer, sharing our time, talents, and money? Are we moving towards being a church family that, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is a community that everyone's involved in some fruitful aspect of welcome, worship, mission, ministry, witness? Are we more of a church family that are encouraging folks to be distinctive daily disciples of Jesus wherever you find yourself during the week. What's the evidence of us as a church, and I've given some, of being proactive in mission, being people of godly influence and change locally, nationally, and we dare to pray globally. The fig tree in our parable was given one year to show some fruit At this point in time, there was no fruit, not even a little fruit, no fruit at all. And it had been like that for three years. The fruitfulness of the church varies in different parts of the world. In some parts of the world, the church is flourishing and they're planting lots of churches. Sadly, in the West, that's not been the story at all. We need to pray that that turns round. Churches get closed. We want to pray for reversal of this decline and maybe our continent, our nation and our parish, we should be praying and working towards revival, although it's a gift from God. I don't think when, we th- when we're considering fruitfulness that we can live off the glories of the past. There's always scope for greater fruitfulness. In God's eyes, I don't think it matters too much whether we're a big tree or a small tree, a big church or a little church, though it matters quite a lot if we've been a big church and we become a small church. We need many more churches and small groups and fruitful, missional activities. It does matter if we're displaying fruit or not and if we're promulgating new life or not. In this parable of the vineyard, we're asked for another year, they're asked for another year to care for the fig tree. When thinking about Holy Trinity Claget, I wonder um, if time was very short and you just had not one more year but one more day to do something that could potentially bear fruit. Where would you dig and what would you fertilize? Who would you phone? Who would you text? who would you visit what would you do maybe we'd just fall to our knees and pray what if you had one more month how would you alter your diaries one more year five years ten years What would you take the axe to? The central message of today's passage is a call to repentance, resulting in evidence of ongoing fruitfulness. It's a message for us as individuals, especially for those here present who know that you need to give your whole life to Christ. It's a message for us as a Christian community. We are to pay attention to results, to look for and to cultivate fruit and ongoing fruitfulness. Lord, help us to have a change of heart and mind and direction where we need to. Lord, help us to spot and celebrate your fruit when we see it. Lord, help us to set the right priorities to create the best conditions for ongoing sustainable fruitfulness. Let's pray.